Before we get started on today's episode, uh, Cassie and I wanted to take a couple of minutes to just uh, pair condolences and to to speak a little bit about the the awful awful fires that have been going on in Maui and especially in Lahaina here over the past week or so. Um, the devastation there is is brutal, and I can't even imagine. And uh, our hearts ache for the people uh, that live there and have to um, deal with this and try to you know restore their lives as you know they're still attempting to get those fires put out there. Um, and we're going to be making a donation to the Maui Food Bank, but. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about because uh, Lehana obviously is uh, is a very important place uh, to the people of Lehana. It's uh, very much a historical place um, to the native Hawaiians there. Um, and Cassie, it's a place that you've been fortunate enough to have gone to a few times in your life. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about kind of your experience, uh, you know, both with the place of Lehana and the people there? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so unfortunate. Like, uh, this is just the deadliest uh, fire in modern U.S. history. And uh, I believe so far, like 96 people are confirmed uh, to have perished in the fires. But uh, yeah, it just sounds like the homes, uh, the businesses and property and historical landmarks in Lahaina are gone. Uh, and there's just so much like Hawaiian, U.S. and world history in Lahaina and it's just unfortunate um even the banyan tree which I have a lot of memories of uh like as a kid and and as an adult like sitting in the shade just kind of walking around it and even though there was like a big giant spider there that still terrifies me to this day that I did not understand I did respect it you know um it, it that spider crawled across our uh our rental car and we were just like is this inside or outside the car and we're like okay it's outside but uh still scared about that it's the scariest spider i've ever seen <laughs> um and i have uh memories at the movie theater there that's where i actually saw the incredibles for the first time and to this day, it's still my number one Pixar film, you know, and that's where I saw it. And I would always pick up frozen pineapple treats and just walking around, like, uh, just staying on the west side of the island. That's where I usually stayed uh, with my with my family. Was, I've, I've been fortunate to visit there a few times. Um, just walking around Lahaina, it's a, it's a very welcoming place, and it... Uh, the memories I have there, I I treasure, uh, and I even have uh, things framed on my bedroom walls that I purchased in Lahaina and keep them today. And it's it's just sad when uh, you can remember how something was and then to to see what happened. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's uh, devastating, obviously for the for the people there. I mean, just tons of damage, but you know there are things you know that you'll never be able to get back when you have a natural disaster on on this scale and yeah it's just it's absolutely devastating and like i said our hearts ache for the for the people there who have to um you know kind of live with this and you know sift through it and to to make sense of all of it um you know you know hopefully once once the fires get get put out and uh can attempt to rebuild so uh with that in mind we're going to be donating 
our September uh, Patreon donations to the Maui Food Bank. Um, uh, it's going to go into uh, feeding the people who have been displaced by the natural uh, disaster of these fires there. Um, I have seen that they're getting some hotels and things set up for the people um, that have lost their their homes and their residences. So, so that's great. It looks like they are uh, starting to make some strides to get, you know, things turned into um uh, you know, into a, a more positive direction, but there's going to be a lot of, a uh, lot of work to be done. And, and obviously the time that it's going to take to mourn, uh, this loss. So we thought that it was really important for, for us, um, you know, especially, you, you know, you Cassia having, having been there and fallen in love with this place and, um, you know, just hearing you talk about it. And it was something that was really important to us. So we're going to be making the donation again to the Maui food bank. Um, we'll put a link to that down in the uh, show notes. If you want to go there and, uh, take a look and, you know, every little bit helps in uh, situations like this and, uh, you know, it's, uh, what we can do here at the old Republic podcast. So yeah. Everyone can do something, even if we can't do everything. And I think that's uh, the way to look at it. Like, we can all do something. And we love Hawaii. We love Maui. And we want to help. This is the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler warning for the Knights of the Old Republic series, Star Wars, the Old Republic, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Let's remind the Jedi what happens when the weak seek to match metal with the Dark Lords of the Sith. Sir, from the surviving officer's reports, Lord Revan has gone down with the ship. He's still alive. everyone. We are recording the prequel trilogy from Hero's Journey perspective after we covered A New Hope because Star Wars is all about like messing with that timeline, you know? So yeah. That's true. Uh, That's true. We thought that although, through. Although depending on on the uh, the schedule for editing and posting, this could go up before A New Hope. It's hard to say. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so it, you're learning more about the behind the scenes, but um, we are still lovingly ripping off our favorite podcast, you know, while covering what I believe is their least favorite trilogy, but mm. we're so grateful to them because they released a special bonus episode on the 20th anniversary, July 15th, 2023 of Knights of the Old Republic coming out, and uh, they gave us a nice shout out, and that was so great. That was great, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we had uh, those guys on back in our episode one twenty three to do the hero's journey with them, and I think it's fun that it kind of spurred them on to go and do their own uh, episode about that, and I think that that is awesome. And yeah, it was just the twentieth anniversary. Um, hopefully, you listened to um, ours or checked it out on YouTube. We did a little, uh, 20th anniversary celebration, but yeah, it was really cool when they, um, put out their special episode and, you know, gave us a little bit of a, of a shout out. It took me, took me back in time to talking to those guys about the, uh, about the game and our experiences with it. It was really fun. Before we analyze the prequel trilogy's hero's journey, I guess like kind of looking at the overall trilogy as a whole, how do you think it relates to KOTOR? 
Oh, the trilogy as a whole. Um, I mean, certainly there is a lot of inspiration being drawn from the the sequel trilogy into, you know, Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2. Um, they both came out about the same time, right? You have the, the Phantom Menace in uh, 1999 up through to Revenge of the Sith in 2005. And then you had uh, KOTOR coming out in 2003 and four. So it was kind of all right there tied in together. Um, you know, the first KOTOR is kind of this traditional uh, kind of hero's journey uh, tale. Um you know, which you get more in more in Star Wars, but kind of the the way that like the 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 politics of the time period are working, that feels very much to me uh, kind of like a prequel uh, trilogy sort of thing. Kind of the way that they uh, represent the the Jedi and the Jedi Council, and you know the way that the different Jedi are are feeling. Um, you know, you have uh, someone like Jilly Bindo who uh, we think is you know has a lot of uh, things in common with like Qui Gon Jinn. You know, stuff like that. The way that the the Council works. Uh, you know. Uh, Bastila being a Padawan, that's coming straight from uh, the prequel trilogy. So I, there was a, a lot of influences. Um, you could definitely, if you go back and play the games now, you can definitely be like, okay, this game was made by people who, you know, knew, loved, watched, appreciated the original trilogy, but they were being influenced by this brand new, like, dose of Star Wars coming in. Yeah, kind of timing-wise, I think the Star Wars brand was just revivified by all things the phantom menace like the phantom menace kind of took over and i think like fans and critics were kind of mixed on the prequel trilogy but uh there was just more star wars stuff out there be it books video games comics everything and what i like is that uh uh lucas arts was kind of experimenting with their timeline and they're like we can kind of link this uh game with bioware rather than like attack of the clones like to the knights of the old republic comics you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's such a cool way to kind of free up the story make it feel like it has stakes for the first rpg like you can choose light or darkness um male or female you know like you're not impacting the canonical journey of luke skywalker you know yeah, like, I you, I think you are right. Like, the story of Kotor feels a little bit more like an original trilogy story, but it kind of feels like a prequel trilogy galaxy. Um, so I find that really cool, and um, I kind of like that the Jedi in this, like, in Kotor aren't perfect kind of like the prequel trilogy some people don't like it when like uh the heroic side or their heroes like kind of have some flaws but i i like that you know and because it is kind of morally questionable to imprint an identity you know on someone you know and the council's like it must be done we have to win this war you know like you can kind of understand why they did what they did but um yeah so Kind of like the, you get to go to all these different worlds, there's a big galactic war, uh, and kind of like seeing the light and dark uh, within the Jedi Order, and some flawed Jedi, um, that's what I would kind of say is the most overt, uh, are the most overt similarities for me. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we talked a little bit about kind of as we were going through, you know, the individual prequel films, kind of some specific things about, um, you know, those particular thing, 
those particular films and how they, you know, tied back into Knights of the Old Republic and, and stuff like that. But then, you know, just kind of on top of that, I mean, you have some locations uh, that are similar that we're seeing again, and you have specific, like, um, species of, um, you know, uh, aliens in the uh, Knights of the Old Republic and that we're seeing in the, the prequel trilogy too, right? So you have, like, the Toydaria in there and Knights of the Old Republic too. You have uh, Zabrak as a class of, um, you know, the class of being that you can that you can be and that you can interact with then obviously is uh Beodor and you know those were coming directly from the prequels as far as I know um so you had a lot of tie-ins kind of kind of that way um like you said Cassie you made a good point that it's kind of you know it feels on one hand like it's telling an original trilogy story but it's but it's in like the playground of the prequel trilogy yeah so yeah, for for this episode, I mean, we we've covered episodes 1, 2 and 3, you know. They're I think at least Revenge of the Sith is like longer than the movie Revenge of the <laughs> very Sith. Close, very close. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could watch along, you know, like and just like include the credits in the runtime uh and like just do it as a watch along if you wanted to. Um but yeah, so we're not gonna like. We're gonna just kind of say where we think each step is, rather than like recount the whole, you know, like story of episodes one, two, and three. So um, that's true. I guess we should have taken a poll and been like, "Do you want us to go through like nine hours of Star Wars?" And the answer would have been yes. But yeah. um, in the, <laughs> you know, in the interest of uh, saving a little bit of time, you know, since we did the deep dives on those, we're just going to kind of go through the steps. And um, I think that it's interesting to go through and do that because obviously, you know, you have your um, your steps from each of the films, but then when you lump them together as one big story, which I think is probably the easiest to do with the prequels, we'll find out for sure when we get to the the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. But um, I think it's it's fun and how like those you know steps kind of shift around yeah so who did you kind of see the hero uh of this trilogy as yeah so if you're looking at kind of this uh, prequel trilogy as a whole um i think that the hero is going to be uh anakin skywalker it's uh you know anakin skywalker's uh story to uh to rise into the heights of fame of the Jedi and fall into the depths uh, that is Darth Vader, um, which is interesting because, you know, we did the the three films, and I think you and I kind of agreed on the fact that, uh, you know, we saw Qui-Gon as the uh, hero of Episode One, We saw Anakin and, you know, potentially Obi-Wan kind of as uh, splitting duty as the uh, hero of Episode Two, and then Anakin, you know, kind of fully uh, taking over by Episode Three. But I think if you're looking at, you know, the prequel trilogy as a whole, um, I think it's Anakin Skywalker, but uh, what about you? Who do you see as our hero here in the uh, PT? I was trying to think of, like, what's a cool hot take I could do, and, like, my mind just went blank, so I'm like, yep, yeah, it's Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> so it, it's his story. Uh, even if, like, he's not the main character of one and, like, he shares episode two, you know, like, it's a story about him, and sometimes you get the story fleshed out by other characters. Um Mm-hmm. But what I saw, step one of uh, Christopher Vogler's Stages of the Hero's Journey, uh, The Ordinary World, I saw that as Tatooine in The Phantom Menace. Like, that's all he knows. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, step one in the ordinary world, the hero is seen in their everyday life. So yeah, I kind of the same thing, right? So we see Anakin, we meet up with him at kind of, you know, Watto's junk shop, um, you know, it takes us to the house. Um, even the pod race, I think, is still part of um, Anakin's um, ordinary world, right? That's something that he had done before. Um, we get the, uh, we get the implication of there you know having uh, done these races for Watto and stuff before so I think that all of all of that is if you uh, kind of take a step back I guess the ordinary world then could also be defined as like what's going on with the galaxy um, you get something like you know Padme saying that you know you know, slavery is is outlawed well not not out here it's not you know in uh, Tatooine so um, I think just kind of the the greater state of the galaxy you could also kind of say is like uh, the ordinary world but you know according to according to little a little Anakin Skywalker yeah it's just that stuff it's just the uh, deserts of uh, Tatooine that we uh, meet him there in yeah it's a it's a very hero's journey uh kind of conceit that the the hero grows up in obscurity and I think there's like that saying like what good could come from Nazareth you know like it was a very small town uh very obscure not close to the capital you know and here we have Anakin living in an obscure desert you know and it's almost like he's kind of like special like mm -hmm. a future messiah supposedly in waiting you know and he's uh doing like he'll end up doing some ben-hur-esque you know charioteering or now this is charioteering <laughs> now it's uh now this is pod racing but yeah yippee yippee charioteering <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it kind of builds off that too, right? You get Shmi who's, you know, saying, you know, there, there wasn't a father, you know, she, she just had, had, uh, Anakin there. Um, you know, stuff like that. You get, uh, Qui-Gon, you know, taking the, the measurement of the, uh, midichlorians there. So, so that all kind of builds off of that, right? That you have kind of this, uh, this chosen one who's, you know, born to this, you know, kind of, kind of poverty and obscurity who's going to, you know, rise up and you know uh, hopefully your heroes rise up and and do good in the world obviously this is a this is a tragedy uh, that we're talking about here uh this time around so that's not the the end case but yeah definitely kind of uh up through there like i said is what i see as the ordinary world yeah and then we have the call to adventure the initiating incident of the story and what i saw that as what changes like the whole galaxy uh, Qui-Gon asks Anakin to leave his mother on Tatooine and become a Jedi in The Phantom Menace. Yeah, absolutely. The, that is uh, exactly what I had here um, for mine as well. Um, you know, Qui-Gon uh, comes in, uh, says that uh, he's not taking not taking uh, Shmi with him. You know, that's not his job. His job is to find midichlorian kids, I guess. I don't know. Um, but he's going to take him off of uh, Tatooine, teach him how to be a uh, Jedi. And that's, yeah, to me too, kind of the, the initiating incident. Uh, right, because it's it's literally taking uh, Anakin away from this place that he knows. He's taking him, you know, away uh, from the ordinary world and taking him away from you know the the people that love him and you know that kind of broken relationship uh, between you know him and his mother Shmi, and then and then here I'm going to get to shortly with between uh, Qui Gon is going to be very pivotal. So yes, I definitely think that's the the call to adventure. Um, even get Anakin, you know, what when. You know that call is being made how excited he is and then um he gets into a little bit of a, a refusal but i suppose we'll talk about that here in a second yeah 
Um, and side note, I think that Padme totally could have like sold five of her dresses and (laughs) they could have freed Shimi, but I guess that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Klieg was just loaded. That's how he uh, was able to, uh, to get, uh, Shmi, uh, you know, her freedom in uh, attack of the clones. Yeah. Padme totally, totally could have. Yeah. Gotten rid of something, (laughs) sold something. I don't know. Yeah. So then the refusal of the call. The hero experiences some hesitation to answer the call. I put down Anakin hesitates and his mother tells him to don't look back. Anakin can't let go in the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and possibly even Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think here for uh, Anakin, I think there are a couple of refusals of the call. I mean, you have one that's kind of more internal uh, within Anakin, who's saying, you know, he doesn't want to want to leave his mother behind. Uh, you know, he's not not all about that. So I think that that's kind of an internal one. Um, but I think that there are some other kind of kind of external uh, ones to. Um, I mean, he gets uh, kind of Anakin uh, through that section. I guess ties into to his personal refusal. You know, uh, talking about how uh, space is, uh, you know, space is cold and how how alone he feels. I think that that's kind of just you know echoing uh, his sentiment that he's uh, refusing this call. But then you have a couple of other things too, right? He gets to the Jedi Council there on Coruscant, uh, where they tell him that he's too old to begin the training, that he has uh, too much uh, uh, fear in him, so he's not going to be uh, trained as a Jedi. That's kind of an external refusal of the call, right, to become a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think um, Qui-Gon's death I saw as like a refusal of the call too, right? Qui-Gon is supposed to be um, his mentors. Qui-Gon is supposed to be the one that is, you know, taking him through uh, the story and then you know, dies at the hands of Darth Maul. So I think that that is another um, kind of external refusal of the call for uh, Anakin. Yeah, sometimes the refusal comes from the hero, like within. Sometimes they feel it, sometimes they express it, sometimes it comes from without the hero. Like, it can be other people, other forces, uh, chance, you know, but... Yeah, that's a good point about the council and Qui-Gon dying, because it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of a tragedy. It's just like sometimes things happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, meeting with the mentor, or did you have something else to say? Sorry? No, I was just going to say, yeah, so kind of for the kind of the initiating incident here, um, as, you know, getting Anakin off of there so he can be a Jedi. I think that, that Qui-Gon's death is, is really important, kind of kind of refusal to that. And it, you know, basically is going to alter the trajectory of, you know, the kind of Jedi and the kind of upbringing that Anakin's going to have. So I thought that, that Qui-Gon's death was pretty important here as, for, as far as the step three went. Do you think that if Qui-Gon would have survived, if... Uh, Anakin and Padme would have gotten together or like maybe Anakin would have left the Jedi I don't know that's that's really hard to say um, because uh, you know on one hand you have uh, Qui-Gon whose uh, master was um, Count Dooku right um, mm-hmm. so who obviously left the Jedi um, and then Qui-Gon is the master for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Obi-Wan Kenobi seems you know by all accounts, you know, pretty straight laced, pretty much bought into this uh, sort of Jedi methodology uh, kind of thing that's going on. So I don't know if um, Qui-Gon would have gotten, you know, to teach and to uh, be a mentor to 
Anakin, what what that might have what that might have meant if they would have went, you know, a little bit uh, too far to to one side, you know, kind of like Count Dooku did. There wasn't, um, you know, Obi Wan. I guess maybe was almost like an anchor. Maybe if I if I could see him like in that role to to Qui Gon, where if you know they would have had you know kind of these more um, uh, idealistic kind of views of of things, how that might have that might have worked out. It would have been interesting. Uh, for sure. I don't know that Anakin might have necessarily fallen to the dark side, but it uh, very much could have been a case where they would have decided to leave the Order. Or, uh, you know, any number of things could have happened, I suppose. Yeah. But what about what about you? What do you what do you think? Do you think uh, it all would have all would have worked out had uh, Darth Maul not uh, taken down Qui Gon there at the Duel of the Fates? I think he would have been in love with her. Um. But I don't know if, like, Anakin would have wanted to stay and be like, I love her, I'm going to continue being a Jedi. Um, or if he just would have been like, maybe I can do good outside of the Order, will you come help me, Qui-Gon? You know, like, we'll never know. But I hope and dream that one day we get uh, a comic or something series that shows what would have happened if Qui-Gon had lived so mm -hmm. yeah that would yeah. be interesting for sure Qui-Gon is a mentor uh, and then step four is meeting with the mentor uh, which is the step in which the hero gains the supplies knowledge and confidence needed to commence the adventure and what I what I put down is Anakin meets Qui-Gon Obi-Wan and Palpatine in the Phantom Menace Maybe you could even maybe put down Padme as a mentor, but mm -hmm. um, Qui-Gon is probably, like, the ideal mentor. Obi-Wan is the mentor he got, and then Palpatine's kind of the mentor who, like, inserted himself into the narrative, you know? Uh, so mm -hmm. what, what do you think about Step 4? Yeah, uh, not only could you put Padme in there, I totally did put Padme in there. Um, I I also just very, very loosely put Qui-Gon in as a mentor. Um, you know, he was he was kind of the promised mentor, but um, I don't think Anath Anakin really gleams that much from him um, in their He learned their kind of what midichlorians <laughs> were. Short time where he learned about midichlorians, that's true. Um, he did impart one sort of important lesson, I think, to Anakin, though, is that Anakin, or that you know, Jedi are not, you know, these invincible superheroes, you know, uh, you know, and he's, uh, Anakin says something along the lines of, you know, you know, no one can kill a Jedi, and uh, Qui-Gon says, you know, if only that were, that were true, I think that that is a good lesson, but I don't think that they have much lessons kind of beyond that, so I have here as my uh, meeting with the mentor, um, obviously you have Obi-Wan there is taking over um, as the master to now Padawan, uh, Anakin Skywalker at the the tail end of the Phantom Menace. Um, I think you do see Padme as kind of this uh, this mentor and teaching uh, young Anakin. You know the you know kind of the the way that the the politics are working or how they're supposed to work or how they're failing to work. I think that that's that's kind of important. And I think um, as a mentor, she's also kind of playing this more nurturing role for uh, Anakin, uh, which is going to be kind of you know very important and um you know playing into his um you know this says uh here the the confidence um i don't i don't really see it as a as a confidence necessarily but it's it's almost like a 
like a misappropriated uh, love. And I think that she kind of taps into that um, within it. And then uh, I'll obviously have uh, Palpatine here um, as a mentor type figure, um, you know, starting kind of with the the end of The Phantom Menace, where he says something about uh, watching uh, his uh, career with uh, great interest. And then, you know, that carries on into the beginning of Attack of the Clones, um, you know, really kind of propping Anakin up as this uh, this Jedi, this, you know, kind of chosen one figure he's he's definitely getting Anakin to uh, read his own headlines as far as that goes and you know really kind of giving him you know kind of that that false confidence that kind of bravado that he's going to need to ultimately make his you know downward uh, fall to Darth Vader so those were kind of the the mentors that I saw uh, here through our story uh, were there any that we that we missed do you think or I don't think so um, I wrote down who was the best mentor uh, for me, it was Qui-Gon. Who do you think is the best um, mentor? I think Qui-Gon certainly would have been the best mentor. It's it's hard to tell, right? Because this is this is a tragedy. So I guess, yeah. obviously, I guess Palpatine was the most effective of the mentors. Um, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, Obi-Wan was a good mentor as far as, you he know, tried. Anakin, Anakin the Jedi um, is concerned. And I think that, you know, Padme certainly uh, played her role in the way that he felt about kind of the, you know, the, the state of the galaxy um, there. So I guess that makes sense. Uh, you could also say even that the Shmi, I guess, is kind of this almost mentor type figure. And we go back to um, Tatooine and, you know, he tries to rescue her from the uh, Tusken Raider encampment uh, there in Attack of the Clones. So I, I think that he has kind of a lot of these little, you know, kind of kind of meetings once off that just really go to kind of build the character of Anakin uh, Skywalker. Um, not really one specific mentor, which I think is, you know, how you see the, the downfall of him. Um, it's not, you know, he's not taking the advice and you know, mentoring from one in particular person um he's getting kind of all these different angles of things uh thrown at him which is you know very con very confusing for for young anakin i think that's so true that shimi was in a way like i mean part of the ordinary world for anakin but under shimi's like care anakin was like a really good person you know and it's like i don't know like what the dream scenario is it's like uh yeah like queen amidala like parted with like five of her outfits shimmy uh, was mm -hmm. had an apartment on coruscant and was able to kind of like uh see via hologram like anakin you know and qui-gon right. trained him but it's a tragedy. I keep on trying to fix it, but it's like stop doing that, Cassia. Like it's a tragedy. So you can't, you can't, you can't fix uh, Anakin. Uh, he's too, too broken by all this stuff for sure. Um, yeah, I think that that's you know kind of kind of interesting in the in the way that that mentorship works. And I think you could even say then that um, Shmi even kind of you know beyond the grave almost serves as a mentor because that's really kind of what propels Anakin through kind of the kind of the next steps as his his journey kind of changes you know from from the beginning where his journey goes from wanting to become a Jedi to wanting to I, I don't know for lack of better terms you know, replace Shmi or replace that that emptiness uh, that he has from uh, losing his mother 
Yeah. So, crossing the first threshold, it's where the hero commits wholeheartedly to the adventure. I kind of wonder if Anakin is able to commit wholeheartedly, but, like, he does leave Tatooine. He's on Coruscant, ends up becoming a Jedi to be... He's going to be trained as a Jedi, and Anakin does become a Jedi in The Phantom Menace, uh, despite his issues with attachment. Uh, His mother in The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and Padme in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one was this one was tricky to find an exact threshold. Um, as I, you know, like I just said, it's it, Anakin's kind of going from this this journey of becoming becoming a Jedi to wanting to you know be in love with uh, be in love with Padme and then wanting to save Padme. So his journey kind of kind of shifts as we go through this story. So that's why um, for me the crossing of the first threshold I have for Anakin um, is actually going into the Geonosis arena. Um, he's kind of crossing that threshold into um you know both being you know kind of kind of recognized as a jedi as the the clone wars is about to begin but also he's he's crushing that uh that quote-unquote love threshold uh with padme right there in that little uh card to go and out and they they give the kiss so he's kind of he's kind of uh, fully committed to that right they've kind of been talking about whether or not they could really be in love was that good was that bad but uh right there uh kind of committing to that uh that life of uh, love and then you know obviously the marriage then uh, that's coming up with uh, with Padme um, but also I think that it it kind of crosses Anakin into into this uh, world of you know being being full-blown onto uh, uh, Jedi stuff now right because you know we, we hadn't really seen uh, too much is just doing some you know uh, going around with Obi-Wan and you know protecting Padme but not like full-blown into like actual Jedi stuff that we're seeing uh, here at the dawn of the Clone Wars. Yeah, and half of the time um, when we do the Heroes Journey podcast episodes, uh, we forget to take breaks. <laughs> that, to <laughs> you know, we're now. just so enraptured by the the story of the Star Wars, but this time we are committing wholeheartedly to taking our end of Act One break, our coffee caffeine break. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Brian, uh, what have you been watching, reading, playing, or doing in your downtime? Yeah, the uh, the Old Republic podcast has crossed the first threshold of remembering to take their uh, breaks. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've got I've got myself a, a cup of uh, black coffee right here. It's very delicious. I was I was getting some extra caffeine going. Uh, these uh, heroes journey analysis episodes have been getting a little long, so I wanted to just go with some coffee here uh, today for my caffeine break. Um, what have I been doing? I've been uh, doing a little bit of reading. I finished uh, Cataclysm, as I I think I mentioned in in our last time we were recording. Um, and I just started, uh, what's it called? I'm gonna have to look it up. It's uh, something the Red Blade um, that hmm. Elliot Dawson wrote. It's a it's a new Star Wars novel about the Inquisitors. I just I think I'm like the second chapter into that, so I got that started. Um, most of my shows have uh, finished up on TV that I was watching, so uh, my wife and I sat down and we watched A Small Light. Um, that is available. It's on uh, Disney+. Plus. I think it's on Hulu. It might be on, like, ABC. I don't know however you're uh, streaming those. That is uh, really good. It's uh, 
another telling of the Anne Frank story uh, from the perspective of Meep Gies, who was the uh, secretary for Otto Frank, who was the one that, uh, you know, got them into hiding there in Amsterdam during the war. So that was that was really good. I would highly recommend uh, watching that um, if you have some TV watching to do or you're probably headed out to the movie theaters. I've uh, been doing that quite a lot. Uh, you know, we saw Dial of Destiny two weeks ago, saw Mission Impossible last week. I've got my tickets for Oppenheimer and Barbie here in a couple of days. So I've been just going nonstop here to the uh, movie theater trying to trying to keep afloat on all of the uh, new releases that are coming out, which is which is which is a lot. That's OK. That's OK. Um, they have the yeah. air conditioning at the theater, which is nice because it's real hot here so yeah real hot real hot food. everywhere so yeah, yeah food you know it's a good time so uh that's that's what i've been getting up to just trying to like i said just trying to keep ahead on all the stuff that's been uh coming out we have ahsoka is going to be out in a couple weeks it might already be out by the time you're listening to this uh hard to say yeah. so um looking forward to that i might start up a rebels uh rewatch go through that um, here in the next couple of weeks as I have some time to fit in those episodes. So uh, that'll be fun. But uh, what about you? What have you been getting up to? Any uh, any good books or any good shows you've been watching? Oh, I mean, I, I feel like I read so slow. But yeah, I, I have been reading. Um, uh, I read From Here to Eternity, Traveling the World to Find the Good Death by Caitlin Dowdy. Um, and then I just kind of inhaled it, you know, like read it over the july 4th break vacay you know and um i guess i've always been like weird you know like or just like kind of like sometimes i can just be like ooh, do you want to talk about death and religion and rituals and like it's like those are kind of very personal things and it's like um just finding ways to like uh you know kind of talk about like what i'm interested in like in appropriate manners you know like it's been a learning curve my whole life i still <laughs> you know make a lot of uh, you know like stumbling errors you know but um yeah i i loved uh reading uh from here to eternity uh it's not morbid uh if anything it's when you kind of like are more aware of death and celebrating death and commemorating it like it's a fact of life you know uh you're you're mm -hmm. kind of like in a way like when you celebrate death and are more aware of it you're celebrating life and you're more aware of life like you're being present you're uh uh being held you're holding people you know and so in this book, they uh, travel over the U.S. Indo to Indonesia, Mexico, Spain, Japan, and Bolivia, and they talk about like different ways that um, people observe death, you know. And hmm. I think, in some ways, like if you kind of think about the Clash of the Titans movie, uh, the remake that came out, they have Hades be the villain and like the Hercules animated cartoon that I believe came out in 97 like Hades was the villain but like back in the day like I mean of course like people don't want to die like they would come up with euphemisms to talk about like death deities a lot um but they were never seen as villains like it was just like that's the unfortunate reality of life is people die you know um mm -hmm. so in some ways like 
it's just uh, this book and got me thinking and now I'm listening to smoke gets in your eyes by the same author so I'm just kind of like thinking like what do I want how can I be present you know like how do we make plans for like what people want to happen to them and like in some ways it gets me thinking about society it's like people don't really die in their houses anymore they die in hospitals and like instantly like sometimes like you don't really get to spend time with uh you know the unfortunately like the body of your loved one you know like how can we be more uh, how can we be more present for others rather than like you know kind of being like okay uh they died uh here's your your like hospital bill you know and like here's some people you can call by you know like life happens but it just gets me thinking and my work in progress that I, I've kind of been working on and it's about like grim reapers and psychopumps, you know, like, and like, I don't want people to think like I'm morbid and stuff like, but I, I just try to be aware of like all these different things that, uh, different societies do, you know, and like probably I've been insensitive, you know, in my life, but I'm trying to learn because like I just find it so interesting. So this book was was a good one, I think. Um so anyways, done with done with death talk now, I guess. But um, uh, that, that book sounds super interesting. I'm gonna have to uh check that one out here. I'm glad that you find it interesting. Uh but yeah, watching. Um, I've been a bit busy. I was uh, kind of doing some traveling and kind of had the flu, so I didn't really go to the theater, you know, after I came down with the flu. So I did rewatch the Pirates of the Caribbean at home, and if I would have been, like, you know, aware, I could have seen it on the big screen uh, for its 20th oh, yeah. anniversary. You know, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, and uh, then I saw The Heiress, the 1949 by William Wyler, starring Olivia de Havilland. And she won her first Oscar for that. And thank goodness for the Criterion Collection sale, you know, in July, because I've been trying to see that forever. And I just realized that Criterion had that. Um, and I ended up rewatching The Boy with Green Hair that uh, Christopher Vogler talked about uh, when we interviewed him. And it kind of just helped me realize, like, that that movie helped me stay on the creative path, you know? And, like, even if it's just a personal creative path, like, I'm still on it. And, um, and then, like, I've been... I mean, you kind of know this, Brian, but we've kind of been tweaking uh, the thumbnail for part two of the audio drama and mm -hmm. the music's happening in the background. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. That is coming together uh, really, really nicely. Excited to get uh, part two uh, finally put together and uh, out to the world. And um, if you're listening to this, go check out the uh, audio, the first part of the audio drama that's available on the YouTube and back in this uh, podcast feed. 
a couple episodes back. So definitely go go check that out. And part two will be out in not too long, hopefully. Yeah, and I'm glad you recommended A Small Light. I think that's the second time you've recommended it. And now that I'm kind of in one place, uh, I can kind of just... I kind of want to watch it all at once, like, because that's an important story, and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm definitely going to watch it, and I have also been needing to watch, like, The U.S. and the Holocaust uh, that you recommended, so, yeah. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah, those are good ones, so definitely uh, give those a watch out there if uh, you're looking for something good to, to check out. Okay, I'll just finish my vanilla Coke, or... Or let's see, vanilla Coca Cola Zero Sugar. That's the full uh, name of it. With I put in vanilla cream today, so maybe you would Ooh. like that, or you'd be like, "Why are you putting creamer in a soda? That's <laughs> disgusting." I don't know. Uh, it, could, it could be. It's, it's got to be better than coconut creamer. So it's, I'll <laughs> give it a try. I'll give it a try. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. So we successfully took our break. Uh, let's get into Act Two. Okay, so we are starting up with our step six here, Tess, Allies, and Enemies. Uh, the hero explores the special world, faces trials, and makes friends and enemies. So our hero has, you know, they have joined in the cause, had committed to the adventure, uh, but now they're being tested a bit, uh, Cassia. So uh, where do you think the um, step six is here for Anakin Skywalker uh, through the prequel trilogy? For me, I kind of see it... Uh... Anakin has to deal with the Jedi Council and the Battle of Naboo in The Phantom Menace, and then off-screen in between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, uh, we have off-screen Jedi adventures, um, and then in Attack of the Clones, Anakin deals with his forbidden feelings and desires with Padme, his dreams of his mother, Count Dooku, and the start of the Clone Wars. <laughs> That's right. Uh, young Anakin has a lot on his plate, uh, to be for sure. Um, yeah, I had all those same kind of things, right? Uh, Count Dooku, the start of the Clone Wars, uh, the Jedi Council, um, you know, the the marriage to Padme there, uh, you know, the secret, secret love affair that they have. So basically, the test allies and enemies uh, step, from, from what I'm hearing from both of us, is basically the entirety of the Clone Wars <laughs> cartoon. Yeah. So uh, basically all of that stuff. But yeah, I had mine kind of running, you know, basically, yeah, from the end of Attack of the Clones there, kind of that uh, Genosis Arena, you know, kickstarting the, uh, the Clone Wars that face off with Count Dooku and then carrying all the way up to... Uh, you know, the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, you know, kind of that next and final uh, confrontation uh, with Count Dooku there where he is, uh, uh, he's given a wee bit of a test from uh, Palpatine, right, to uh, go ahead and uh, kill Count Dooku. It's it's kind of another uh, threshold almost in a way uh, for Anakin to cross to his next sort of, sort of adventure um, or sort of journey that he's going on. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely kind of all of that stuff, right. So, you know, exploring the special world, uh, you know, the, the special world for Anakin, I think is, is this world of being a Jedi is this world of being, you know, forbiddenly in love with, uh, Padme. And then, um, you know, obviously the, the special world of the, the clone wars, that's going to fling him, you know, full force into kind of both of those things and how he navigates it. So, uh, that's what I saw there for, uh, step number six. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know. Was there were there any other kind of kind of allies or enemies? Um, 
I'm thinking back wrote... to, the, to the film. I can't think of anything offhand, but did you have any other sort of uh, tests or enemies? or? So I, for fun, just wrote down a list of allies. Uh, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Shmi, Padme, and Palpatine. And then uh, enemies, the Jedi Council, Count Dooku, sort of Obi-Wan and sort of Palpatine because um, I guess sometimes it can be like uh, in Attack of the Clones, like uh, just Anakin and Obi-Wan are just not always on the same page, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think like Anakin doesn't realize that Palpatine is using him, you know, until it's kind of too late. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess you could also kind of kind of make the case then that the the clone troopers themselves are allies, I guess, in this uh, special world um, that are going to you know carry forth into um, you know kind of the the tail end of Anakin's um, adventure. There is you know becoming literal like soldiers under uh, his command. You know, going from you know being a a uh, member of the the Jedi uh, side of things to a member of this new uh, galactic uh, empire. So, uh, so I think that maybe the clone uh, troopers there are also um, allies uh, for Anakin as well. Yeah, and then the approach to the innermost cave, uh, in which the hero nears the center of the story and the special world. I put down Anakin's dreams of his mother in pain in Attack of the Clones, like, being like, Padme, I have to go to her. Um, I'm going. And she says, I'll come with you. Okay. Yeah, that that certainly, um, you know, makes sense as that kind of inner turmoil with Anakin there, you know, having the dreams and visions of his mother, and then those translate into dreams and visions of uh, Padme, and how is he going to sort that out? Um, I had a little bit different my approach to the innermost cave. Um, the hero nears the center of the story and the special world. Um, I had kind of the, the center, um, the innermost cave for Anakin as being uh, kind of both the, the Jedi Council and being the you know the apprentice um of palpatine right is getting very near kind of the center of these both of these you know these ideals right you know be it the be it the jedi or be it the sith um as you know really kind of that that battle over the the soul of anakin uh skywalker there is uh getting you know fully underway as we're into revenge of the sith now so i thought um kind of the innermost cave was was quite literally kind of being in the middle of you know being in the jedi council being being seated on the council um or being seated at the the right hand of uh palpatine interesting wow that's a that's a good take i like it yeah there um, you go. yeah yeah so for me the ordeal in which the hero faces the greatest challenge yet and experiences death and rebirth um, I put Shimi dies in Anakin's arms, and he slaughters the entire village of sand people in Attack of the Clones. Because I think when that happens, like, pretty much the rest of Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is inevitable. As soon as that happens, you know, all those, the dominoes uh, get knocked over and they're going to start uh, falling as they may. And there's nothing really uh, that's going to stop it there. Um, I looked at the ordeal as uh, kind of the, kind of the same, kind of on the back end of that, um, 
uh, the ordeal for Anakin is now these visions of Padme, uh, right? He's already lost his his mother. He's had, you know, kind of the same kind of visions here for Padme, and he really doesn't want to to lose her. So I think that the, um, you know, kind of this this ordeal for for Anakin is is how do you deal with those um, with those visions, right? How do you make them not come true? So it's a literal clashing now of uh, the Jedi and the Sith, parts of his you know own kind of kind of psyche, right? Uh, he's a member of the Jedi. Um, he's been taken under the wing of the Sith, and those are those are coming to to a head here. And you know which one of those is going to win out in the battle of uh, Anakin Skywalker here? Um, so I think that the the ordeal specifically is. Um, is the visions of Padme, um, but really the the battle over them, the death and rebirth comes uh, from that clash between the Jedi and the Sith there in Palpatine's office. Wow, you're ahead of me, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> yeah. That's that's right. Yeah, I, I I am a little bit ahead of you. That's that's okay. Um, especially like I said, because you know the the visions are basically taking taking place twofold. You know, as we kind of mentioned, you know, you saw the the vision with Shmi and I saw the vision uh, with Padme there. Um, but really, they're they're almost kind of interchangeable um, yeah. in the story, right? And the way that they they make him feel and the way that they make him, you know, process kind of his his rage and anger and um, inadequacy and stuff like that. I mean, we're not gonna, um, you know, come out and say like Oedipus complex, but um, yeah. So right. graceful transition to the reward. Um, it, the reward is the step in which the hero experiences the consequences of surviving death. Um, I guess I took that a little less poetically, uh, cause I'm like, oh, they're in the arena, you know? Uh, so I put Padme admits her love for Anakin and they marry in Attack of the Clones. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's definitely, definitely a reward for Anakin, especially if you're going off of, um you know kind of the the love aspect of his uh journey there for sure um you know as uh, <laughs> as we just made mention i'm already well well ahead of that um uh the uh reward here for uh my hero's journey for anakin skywalker is that uh he's basically now being uh rebranded as darth vader rise as darth vader so his reward um isn't necessarily that he gets to be be the sith lord of darth vader but he has preserved the you know, the opportunity to save Padme, right? That knowledge resided within Palpatine. He was able to uh, kind of thwart uh, the Jedi's actions, uh, you know, at least uh, somewhat or not, you know, enable them to uh, take uh, Palpatine out. So his reward then is that Palpatine is alive, being the only one uh, that Anakin knows that can uh, keep Padme from dying. Yeah. And maybe, like, in some ways, in my um, analysis of the prequel trilogy, like, to me, like, Revenge of the Sith was a little bit of an afterthought. Uh, maybe if I were to do it again, I would incorporate more of uh, Revenge of the Sith in Act 2. But I kind of like, I kind of like mine, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. I guess... um, and, you know, obvi obviously, you know, when these were written it was kind of written as you know one one complete story but you could almost look at it because really revenge of the sith is you know the story of the fall of anakin skywalker whereas the the first two are really more of the 
um, you know, kind of an exploration of, you know, who Anakin Skywalker is, what he could accomplish, and who he would love. So I think you could, you really could kind of look at these as two sort of separate tales of Anakin Skywalker if you really wanted to. And um, I think, you know, kind of and going through this uh, exercise together, I think that's how you and I kind of did, right? You looked at kind of that, that first section of uh, his story, and I looked at, you know, um, not necessarily the whole story, like, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the way I did it was better. It's just a different way to, to kind of look at the look at the story, I think. Yeah, there is no canon. There are multiple ways to, <laughs> you know, be Spider-Man, you know, or like <laughs> analyze the prequel trilogy. Um, That's so right. we are at the end of Act 2, so I think that means we uh, can take a little break and mix our mocktail and cocktail. Does that sound good? Absolutely. That sounds that sounds great to me. We're two for two on taking our breaks today. I am very proud yeah! of us. Yeah. I'm so impressed with us. It means next time it's probably we're gonna miss we're gonna be zero for two, but um <laughs> zero for two. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we are uh, you know, beginning well, I guess we're about to begin act three, but we're taking our act two break so i'm genuinely surprised brian like what are you having today <laughs> that's right we uh we were uh, headed out to uh finish finish up the story we drove by texas diner and said you know what we should stop in there for a wee bit of refreshment uh that's what that's what we're doing today so uh first off i want to say you know if you want some more uh good uh delicious drinks mocktails cocktails all that stuff go back and listen to the uh hero's journey analysis for phantom menace for attack of the clones for revenge of the sith uh because we did some pretty fun ones uh there but today uh what i have is i'm doing a dark side and stormy uh is a riff on the dark and stormy which is one of my favorite uh drinks um out there if you're listening if you are familiar at all with the uh, moscow mule um, or the vodka mule uh this is very similar to that except instead of using vodka you're going to use dark rum uh it's very delicious uh highly recommend uh really easy to make um it's a nice uh, two ingredient uh, cocktail so uh it's just a glass with some ice uh you can do a copper mug if you want um i usually do just like a like a highball just a, a tall like glass glass i uh, fill that up with ice and then you're going to put in uh like one part of rum uh top it off with your favorite uh, ginger beer uh extra bonus points if you get a really nice uh, spicy one there's a bunch of really good ones out uh, you probably have like some fun local ones and send us uh pictures of those because uh you know we like to like to try all the different uh, ginger beers and ginger ales out there um you can squeeze in some fresh lime uh if you want to and uh that's it uh really really simple so the dark side and stormy is what i'm going with you know because anakin uh could not resist the temptation of the dark side and either can i uh when it comes to today's cocktail so true so yeah we have we had some fun uh with the prequel trilogy looking back at episode one i had the jar jar put it in a jar so it was a jar 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 Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i had the great you know people at uh swig make i don't like sand and then i was like you know what i'm gonna create something kind of similar to yours i guess like the mustafar mule mocktail so mm -hmm, it's something mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. i created the uh i don't know is it recipe for the the drink mix the mixology yeah that's right uh uh yeah the 
yeah, I don't. I guess the I guess the recipe I think is is the way you still call it here for for a drink. I think so. Yeah, you had some you had some really good ones. Let's see, I did the uh, the quiet the Qui-Gon Gin and Tonic. Uh, I did the Coruscant Cooler for Attack of the Clones, and then I just did the the Coruscant, which was a riff on a Manhattan there for uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, yeah. Um, but for today, I had the Achilles Heel Mocktail, which is based on the Achilles Heel Cocktail. I guess it was invented or mixed for the first time in 2005 in Brighton, England. Um, I got it from Difford's Guide. If you basically search Achilles Heel Cocktail, like it's going to come up first. Um, but what this calls for is two fluid ounces of juniper beer soda. I wasn't able to get juniper beer or soda, find it anywhere, so I used ginger ale. Um, then one-fourth fluid ounce black raspberry juice and I couldn't find black raspberry so I got black cherry um and then one fourth fluid ounce peach uh juice and then two fluid ounce apple juice and half a fluid ounce of lemon juice and you can garnish it with like an apple slice you know as you see fit um but this is definitely the most intricate um mocktail I've made for any of our, you know, Hero's Journey podcast coverage, but um, mm -hmm. the reason I chose Achilles Hill, uh, I was like, Anakin just reminds me of, like, a tragic, like, hero, like, Greco-Roman hero, especially Achilles, so I just searched Achilles cocktail or mocktail, and this ended up coming up, and in episode 15, we kind of talk about, like, um, how Anakin kind of has his fatal flaw and uh, it wasn't addressed, it wasn't fixed. So you got your tragic hero, you know, tragic downfall, and also like behind him, well, maybe behind him or also like happening in conjunction with that, like you see a democracy turn into an empire. So um, I'm sniffing it. So it smells lemony and tart, so that's good. I'm going to try it. This is definitely tart. Um, has some lemon, but um, has like a nice aftertaste. Um, and basically it's juice and it's liquid, so it's cold and it's hot this summer, so like... I think it tastes good. Maybe others wouldn't think it tastes good, but um, I like it. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. I like kind of the kind of the different uh, mixture of uh, uh, different uh, juices and uh, sodas there. That sounds that sounds really good and really really interesting. I'm gonna have to give that a give that a try uh, for myself. That sounds really good. I don't I don't know. You said it was uh, juniper soda that was in the the recipe. Uh, you yeah. Find, I don't know that I, I don't know that I've ever seen juniper soda. I'll have to keep my eye out for that. Uh, my local grocery stores here are doing a pretty good job of getting like a bunch of like fancy uh, sodas in and like kind of like boutique type sodas and stuff like that. So I'll have to keep my eye open and see if I can uh, find some juniper soda because that sounds pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure maybe there's like a 7-Eleven, you know, on Mustafar and maybe just like. <laughs> 
some security guard fell asleep at work and it's like what did i miss you know but yeah that's that's right absolutely there's a 7-eleven on mustafar that's where you gotta fuel up it seems like mustafar is far away from everything so yeah so all right let's dive into act three Act three. All right, we've gotten our reward, so we are on to step 10, the road back. The hero returns to the ordinary world or continues to an ultimate destination. Uh, so, so Cassia, you're a bit behind me in terms of our hero's journey. So what do you see as Anakin's uh, road back here in the story then? I kind of saw it as Anakin's guilt, his attachment to Padme, and his fear to lose her culminates in his giving into and pledging himself to the dark side and Darth Sidious. He massacres the Jedi and duels Obi-Wan to the death. However, in his myopic quest to save Padme, he loses her and his life as Anakin Skywalker. So basically all of Revenge of the Sith. So I think I caught up, you know. <laughs> Dang, that is one way to do it for sure. The road back. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the ordinary world for uh, Anakin Skywalker has changed, right? Uh, you know, you go from uh, Tatooine, you know, being a fun-loving uh, pod-racing kid, you know, yelling yippee um, as, you know, kind of the ordinary world. And now it's now it's completely changed. Uh, Anakin Skywalker is not even Anakin Skywalker anymore, as, uh, as far as I'm concerned here on my hero's journey. So I think that now for the ordinary uh, world and kind of this ultimate destination, um, it's really like Order 66. So I think that, you know, the road back is uh, basically Anakin just taking over as as Darth Vader right going to the Jedi Temple um as this uh uh Sith Lord now um as it were and you know taking out the Jedi I think that that now is his new uh ordinary world I think it's you know completely done like this uh 180 sort of a thing so I think that you know Order 66 the Jedi Temple and um probably even going to like Mustafar to you know quote-unquote end the war um there uh, on Mustafar I think is uh kind of that ordinary world for uh Darth Vader now. Wow. Yeah. Because um, for me, uh, the resurrection, uh, the hero experiences a final moment of death and rebirth, so they are pure when they re-enter the ordinary world. Um, I don't know about pure, uh, but <laughs> Anakin Skywalker what? is dead. Long live Darth Vader. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's very uh, kind of symbolic there, right? As he kind of kneels down as uh, Anakin Skywalker and uh, literally, you know, rises um, as Darth Vader. So that's a that's a good uh, resurrection uh, step there. Uh, step 11, uh, resurrection. The hero experiences a final moment of death and rebirth. So they're pure when they reenter the ordinary world. Um, yeah, so I saw that then uh, for Anakin Skywalker as, you know, being burned um, on uh, Mustafar, right? He is literally uh, leaving behind the the body of uh, Anakin Skywalker here at this it's it's quite literally like a fiery death of Anakin Skywalker you know he's he's given up that that title that name but now he's given up um, his body uh, as Anakin Skywalker uh, you also have the death of uh, Padme uh, here in this section you have the death of the Jedi uh, through Order 66 um, but you're getting the rebirth right you're getting the birth of of Darth Vader as this uh, mechanical being uh, there in his uh, helmet and black cape and all that stuff you get the uh, rebirth of the uh galactic empire um is born into existence kind of in this moment as well as you um you even see um 
Palpatine, you know, kind of rising from the floor there on the uh, the Senate uh, chamber, you know, saying, you know, give birth to the uh, the uh, Galactic Empire. So, so I think that is kind of the the moments of death and rebirth. It's it's not specifically uh, to to Anakin, although certainly certainly it is specifically happening to him as well. But you're also seeing other instances of death and rebirth that are going on, kind of in the same uh, swatch of uh, story that we're going through here. Yeah, birth and death uh, are very interlinked in Revenge of the Sith, for sure. Um, And then uh, Return with the Elixir, the hero returns with something to improve the ordinary world. I don't really think uh, Darth Vader is really improving the galaxy, so uh, what I put... (laughs) If you think he does, like, put it down in the comments and we'll be like, that's weird, but... Um, return with the elixir. Uh, so I put, meanwhile, the force gives the galaxy the children of light, Luke and Leia, to one day rise up against the duo of darkness, Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader. I got poetic there, I guess. I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard for uh, Anakin to really get an elixir now, as he is like the baddest dude in the whole planet. So that's not great. Um, so I also had Luke and Leia as the elixir here. Um, and in some ways, you could say, right? It's obviously, you know, he's kind of you know cast this dark shadow over the entirety of the of the galaxy now, as Darth Vader and the the Galactic Empire has uh, come into into being. But um, on the other hand, I guess you could see Luke and Leia as kind of the kind of this boon for you know fulfilling that uh you know story of of love and wanting to be with with padme that was kind of the ultimate reward of that um journey that he went on was to have have these twins and then obviously you know as you kind of you blow out the story a little bit a little bit further obviously that comes back into being you know an important part of uh anakin's story as we go in through the the original trilogy but that's gonna have to wait for another day um so i think that yeah i think the elixir here is just got to be got to be the birth of the twins um you could also say i guess that it served as some sort of a uh, learning moment, maybe potentially, probably not really, uh, for uh, Yoda and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi uh, to see kind of the the flaws, the mistakes that were that were made. So maybe that's some sort of sort of elixir for the the greater uh, Jedi at large now that are that are on the run. But yeah, I think Luke and Leia are the are the elixir. I guess you could say that the Death Star is the elixir if you're really kind of buying into what the uh, the evil empire has uh, has going on, but no, nah, I think it's it's the twins for sure. Yeah, maybe Yoda was like going through some of his mail that he brought with him, and it's like, <laughs> oh, we could have had a therapist uh, at the Jedi Temple, and maybe that would have helped. You know, like someone was saying, like, hey, I realize the Jedi don't have a therapist, so. I'm willing to to start, you know, uh, practicing there. And it's like, if I would have checked that mail, you know, maybe things could have been different. But yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he thought it he thought it was just some junk mail and threw it away. It was someone that was applying to to do some uh, therapy sessions. Yeah, that would that would have been good. That would have been good. But uh, to no avail, unfortunately. So uh, that is the uh, the hero's journey um, of the, the prequel trilogy there um i i thought that that was fun cassia you know because we went through and we did each of the movies and definitely go listen to those we get into more kind of depth and detail on each of the each of the films and we're going to be doing that you know for the original trilogy for the sequel trilogy uh coming up as as well but it was it's fun to go out then and try to 
try to place that story on you know over the course of the three movies and it'll be interesting how that changes because um i think i mentioned it at the top right that these these three movies were basically written as one one full story whereas um you know definitely the original trilogy was not you know it was you know written as star wars and then and then we got the other uh two films kind of kind of on there but i think it'll be it'll be fun to go through and uh talk about about that as well and i think it's interesting to see kind of where the where the points are and where like the real kind of key moments of each of the movies were if you're trying to watch watch like all like nine hours of it at once yeah and like I love the prequel trilogy and for me it's just as mythic and Campbellian as the original trilogy and I mean like maybe someone could make the arguments it's even more so but I'm not gonna like choose violence that hard today and be like the prequel trilogy is more mythic and Campbellian than the originals you know like I'm not Mm. here for that Mm. today but Yeah, I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I think, like, looking at Cassia, like, I'm a Lucasian, I don't know if that's the right word, like, Star Wars fan first. Like, I think I love 1 through 6 the most because they have him involved. Um, He put his heart and soul into the original and prequel trilogy, and... I think, like, I I mean, I like the sequel trilogy. Like, I try to meet it where it's at. Um, But I think I only really love The Last Jedi. And, like, I love Rogue One, too. But, like, that's something I kind of realized is, like, I don't have to and other people don't have to, like, you don't have to love all of Star Wars to be a Star Wars fan. You don't need to hate, you know, like, the things you don't like or say like they're ruined or this 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 uh clickbaity kind of stuff you know like you can just like love like and dislike you know how how you do um but you can pick and choose and um you know like and you can ignore the things that aren't for you or at least like uh, approach the things that you're skeptical about like in good faith and like with an open mind because you can learn more about it like and be able to analyze it like even if you don't like like it you know you can be like oh I, I respect the effort there you know like that's just something I had on my mind like uh what do you what do you think yeah as we kind of you know put the put the wraps here in the prequel trilogy and we are going to revisit it here um at some point because I I do think that we intend to do kind of the hero's journey for the entirety of the Skywalker saga. Um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are, those are very fair and valid points. And, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, a couple of times how much you like the, the prequel trilogy. And, um, I also really like the prequel trilogy. It's, um, it was kind of my first, you know, star Wars, um, movie going experience of something that I could, you know, call my own, um, from, from that stance being a little bit too young to have caught up with the original trilogy until, you know, a little bit later, you know, a couple of years after, after they had come out. Um, but that's, that's one of the things about uh, Star Wars or really, you know, to, to step back, you know, anything that's going to have any sort of long lengthy life. Let's see, 1977 was a long time ago, about 50 years ago, almost right. We're yeah. coming up on. So anything that's going to be that long, you know, everyone is going to be, 12 years old when they watch one of these and that's going to be the one that they they cling on to right that's just that's Mm -hmm. just the way that the world works so um 
you know, obviously, you know, we're, we were born of this generation, you know, kind of of the original and, and prequel trilogy. There are, you know, kids now that are born of, you know, the sequel trilogy and won't put any sort of emphasis at all on, you know, whether or not George Lucas was involved or how much he was involved or um, anything like that. So it's, it's all just kind of your own thing. So, you know, uh, like what you like and don't like what you don't like. And, you know, that doesn't make you um, any, any more or better or anything else. You know, we talked about it on the Knights of the Old Republic story, right? They could come out with a hundred more Star Wars things and you could hate all of them, but it doesn't change the fact that you, you know, love to go into see star wars when you're eight years old to go see you know attack of the clones or you know it doesn't change the fact that you uh went and saw um you know uh the rise of skywalker when you were you know 10 years old and that's the one that you love right it's you know every everyone has their own uh, journey through star wars and through fandoms and things like that and none of them are right and none of them are wrong so just uh be cool out there yeah be that's, cool. that's my that's my take yeah, someone who wasn't cool was Anakin, because he right. was on he, fire. Yeah, he was on fire. He had no chill at all. No chill to his game. No chill to his uh, shores of Mustafar. Uh, he did not have the uh, the higher ground there. So bad news. Yeah, yeah and the, I kind of just wrote a couple points down. And if you have any points you wanted to bring up after we kind of analyze the prequel trilogy as a whole, but like. What I wrote down is, like, Anakin isn't Luke or Han. Luke is kind of like King Arthur-esque, you know, or fairy tale-esque, I would say. Mm-hmm. And Han's just, like, the cool the cool dude, like, you know, the guy in the cool jacket, you know, or, like, Lancelot, you know. And yeah. Anakin is kind of just Anakin, and it's, like, he's a tragic hero, like I, like I said, uh, kind of like greek mythology like achilles like he's also a bit like victor frankenstein like i think in some ways like you're not meant to think he's fun or cool for the most part you're kind of meant to think like i think this guy's a little messed up um because i wrote down like he's sympathetic but he's messed up like and maybe that's hard like when it's like the story of the prequel trilogy is kind of like about someone like who's tragic and kind of messed up is like they're not going to be likable all the time uh so maybe Mm -hmm. that was hard for some audiences but uh what do you think yeah no i definitely i definitely agree with that he is kind of his own own sort of character and i think that you know people who would have you know watched this who were you know fans of the the original trilogy you know you don't need you don't need cassie and i to sit here and tell you that uh by by and large you know beyond star wars fans the prequel trilogy was not uh, all that well received um so i think that um yeah it's just it's just very much a different story and i don't know um because he is very different and while you're talking that got me to thinking um you know kind of about the twins right the the elixir i guess that uh, anakin ended up getting and you know luke and leia (laughs) which which of their parents were they like because i look at you know at padme and at anakin and i see a lot of leia in those two uh characters but i don't see a lot of luke in either of those characters so i think it was yeah oh, it was just you... a very a very different kind of thing oh i i think i heard that wrong um i was like don't you mean anakin and padme in those characters um <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see, I see a lot of, um, you know, Leia and Anakin and Padme, but I don't, or yeah, I see a lot of Anakin and Padme in Leia, but I don't see a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, Luke in those characters. So 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, maybe like, you know, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the original trilogy, but like, maybe it's like, even though like, I don't think like Luke would say like, yeah, I had an idyllic childhood. Like, maybe it's just like that really made the difference, like being raised by an aunt and uncle, you know, mm-hmm. and not being told prophecies at nine, you know. <laughs> It's so interesting because, like, I've been watching more movies, like, kind of towards, like, the end of 2021. I'm like, you know what? I have a lot of movies to catch up on because I missed a lot of them uh, just due to, like, life circumstances. But kind of, like, looking at, like, the impact that 9-11 had on the entertainment scape, like, it changed a whole lot. Like, you have Mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones and... Revenge of the Sith coming out post 9-11. Because, um, I mean, like, even outside of movies, like, 9-11 changed so many aspects of our world. And in some ways, like, the prequel trilogy is envisioned as, like, a 1970s story. But it was told in a post 9-11 world. And it's, like, maybe, like, audiences are just, like, They didn't quite vibe with, like, the creative choices, but, like, maybe it's just a story out of time, but I don't know, but, like, and also, like, a lot of stuff, like, CGI-wise, like, uh, maybe CGI, like, kind of what Lucas was doing was before its time, but, like, now we kind of live, like, in an age where, like, so much is CGI, and, like, in some ways, like, I'm, like, looking back at the prequels, I'm like, this is better than a lot of stuff coming out, but, yeah, maybe that was a big thought, like, I'm, like, bringing up CGI and 9-11 at the same time, (laughs) but, uh, what do you think, Brian? That's right, um, well, well, yeah, definitely, definitely the, the landscape of, but yeah, obviously the whole world and the, and the way stories were, were told and absorbed and, you know, kind of where everyone, you know, felt was was important you know we just we just kind of witnessed that in uh, the indiana jones story right after we landed on on the moon you know was was history still important so the way that people looked at things was was very different um right then uh as far as the cgi goes uh that's going to have to wait for an episode all its own i think we have something uh cooked up to talk about some cgi uh here sometime and how it relates to star wars and uh just kind of movies uh at large i think that that will be a fun uh, conversation to have and dig into a little bit and and give our thoughts together i will say in in that regard this that all cgi looks better when you're 10 years old than it does when you're when you're 40 years old i will say for sure but that's okay um yeah i don't know where i was going with that but uh that's that's kind of my my thoughts on it uh there uh, as, as far as that goes we'll get into some more of that i think here here in the near future yeah so we definitely covered the prequel trilogy from a hero's journey perspective uh if you have any comments on like steps or like if you kind of think like that we totally missed the point that it was padme's story all along and we got that wrong let us know that would be interesting and we'd love to address that but um yeah any other thoughts brain no and just to uh, just to echo on that uh, one of the neat things about the hero's journey is that everyone is always on one so um you know, however you want to apply kind of these j- hero's journey steps to your favorite uh, character, um, you you should do that. You should go back and and watch these films. You know, trying to find the hero's journey uh, steps for um, for I don't know for for Jar Jar for Padme for 
um, Emperor Palpatine, and uh, we might uh, be going through all of his when we get to the end of the Skywalker saga. I'm not sure um, how that's gonna how that's gonna go yet, but, but yeah, it's fun to it's fun to watch these and kind of this analytical uh level and to try to apply it to different characters it just makes your viewing a little bit different so uh i i encourage everyone to to go out and do that it's a it's a neat way to watch a movie that you've seen you know probably 50 times so yeah so may the force be with you Public podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Older Public Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at dennissmowersmusic.com. This episode of the Older Public Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the Force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>